2: Blog Talk Radio. Music
3: Hello, hello, happy new year, and welcome to another installation of the Brown Bag. I'm your host, Michael T. Brown. Hey, follow us on Twitter, at MTBrown98, or at our Facebook and LinkedIn page under the name Michael T. Brown. I must admit, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I'm a firm believer that those who are serious about making the necessary changes in their lives don't wait until January to do it. However, now that we've entered into a new year, I can't think of a better time to contemplate, strategize, and set visions into motion. Hey, Mike, I don't know about you,
0: uh, but how do you, how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? In the same way, man, not only do I feel that we shouldn't wait until the new year, um, we can pick up a, a new resolution anytime during the year. Time for a change is time for a change. Yeah,
3: you got any uh, big ideas for 2014? What you got up your sleeve?
0: No, just more success, touching the lives of others, and just you know, bringing a group of people together to just do awesome things. That's all.
3: Oh, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. I'm declaring 2014 to be a year of laser focus, a year mm. of purpose and promise. And I believe we've got just the right guest today to help us usher in that new year. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our first guest for us, Eric Twiggs.
0: Eric is a professional speaker who has delivered training and motivational speeches to help businesses and individuals realize their goals by unleashing their unlimited potential. He has shared this inspirational message for professional and personal success with companies, associations and congregations across the country. After graduating from Hampton University with a degree in marketing, Eric began his career in the automotive industry as a top producing service advisor quickly rising to the ranks of management. Eric's success resulted in him being promoted to district manager with the responsibility for over $50 million in annual revenue and over 500 employees. Eric's specialty is time management, and he is known as the procrastination prevention partner. His message will inspire you to maximize your time, minimize your stress, and break the habit of procrastination so that you can operate in your divine calling.
3: Eric Twiggs, welcome to the Brown Bag.
1: Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show.
3: Uh, Eric, we're glad to have you. Hey, listen, help us kick off 2014. What are some of your thoughts about uh, New Year's resolutions and uh, helping motivate others as we start off a new year?
1: Well, most of the studies reveal that people that make – so you have all these people, we make these New Year's resolutions, and about 90% of the time – they're broken by March. (laughs) That's what most of the studies say, and that's what I see with people that I work with. And I think part of the reason for that is there's a difference between an event versus a lifestyle. Wow. And really goal setting should really be more of a a regular thing and and a lifestyle as opposed to just this one event, okay, it's New Year's. And if you look at gym memberships, gym memberships increase dramatically from January through March, then it falls off again. And I think it's really about one of the big things I see on that is, is making sure we're setting realistic and attainable goals. So, for example, if we if we haven't worked out in 10 years, to say that we're going to work out five days a week for an hour a day probably isn't a realistic goal. So that, that's some of the things I see with people I work with and the whole thing with setting the New Year's resolutions. We need to really make it – more of a lifestyle and have goals that we're working towards all year round.
3: That's good, Eric, and I think you just helped somebody already. You talk about not just an event but a lifestyle, and that really to me speaks to, you know, habits and discipline. Yeah. What, are, what are some of the things you're seeing in that area? I know you work closely with people and motivating them. What do you see uh, is the thing that really helps people to start to form those good habits and that discipline?
1: Well, I think it's really kind of breaking your goals down because I think a lot of times what happens is we, we have a big we have a big picture project yeah. and and it looks overwhelming when you look at the big picture. So, for example, you know it could be writing a book, you know it could be yeah you know, doing a business plan. Could be you know doing a presentation, and, and if you look at it, you say, "Wow, this is just intimidating." But but when you break it down into little bite-sized chunks, and I have something I call my thirty-minute rule, yeah. and, and set aside thirty minutes per day and schedule it, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of and you look at thirty minutes and you say, "Wow, that's I can do that. I can I can make time for thirty minutes," and, right. and that kind of starts that discipline, and then as you Start with 30 minutes. 30 minutes can increase to 60 minutes. So, so I think it's just really kind of breaking what it is that you want to accomplish, taking it from the big picture to really making it more manageable. Hopefully, I answered your question.
3: No, I, no, that's good. That's good. Breaking it down because sometimes I, I agree with you. We we think you know big picture, but really that one step at a time starts to build the habits and the discipline that's going to need that's going to be needed to sustain that. Right. That's good, Eric. Now let me ask you this: Help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about yourself, um, your upbringing, and how it's led you to the path that you're on now.
1: Well, I, I grew up, I, and one of my one of my role models when I think about time management is my father. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I was growing up, I saw him get up every day, and he went to work. He he just had this outstanding work ethic, and, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, and, and it wasn't so much of anything that he specifically said to me or instructed me, but I, I, I got to look at his example, and that work ethic has been with me ever since, and it's to a point where sometimes, like, I've been celebrated for, wow, you got here on time, <laughs> and my thinking was always, wow, isn't that what you're supposed to do, right, and the right. reason was because I, I saw that, that strong example from my father. So that really started me kind of with, with the work ethic and basic time management focus. And then I had an event that happened to me in college that really changed everything and really kick-started my intense focus on time management. I had a friend in college who he was a great student, a uh, really disciplined person, and suddenly he passed away in a car accident. Wow. Wow. And I remember sitting there at the funeral, and in the program, it had everything written that he had accomplished in his life up to that point. And I started thinking about the morning that he, the morning of the day that he passed away, he had no idea that this would be his last day on earth. Mm. And his accomplishments are already set. His time is up, and we don't have as much time as we think.
3: Wow. Well.
1: So so that really that that was a game changer for me, and I really started to look at really making the most of my time and that, and that's no, really yeah you know, that, that's that's what started me on my journey on time management. You know that you
3: talk about time management and and I heard you talk about a sense of urgency and um, how none of us know how long we have. I heard a, a quote uh, I think it was credited to frank Sinatra he said uh, treat every day like it's going to be your last because one day you're going to be right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it just kind of puts in perspective, you know, when we start talking, and we we titled this show, you know, A Year of Purpose and A Year of Promise, um, that we have to use the time that we have to maximize our gifts, our talents, and our attributes because, you know, your example puts it into perspective. We don't know how long we have, and we've got to maximize our efforts. Tell us uh, a little bit about uh, how you got into your professional work. I know you had a career in, in, in sales, is that right, in the past? How did it lead you over to what you're doing now?
1: Well, yeah, I was, a, uh, I was a district manager in the automotive service industry. And by most measures, I was successful. I was making good money. We were having a lot of success. But I just I always had this, this di- discontent. Like, there was something that was missing that, that I couldn't mm. put my finger on. I, I wasn't totally satisfied. And then it was interesting. I was actually listening to a, a sermon series by my pastor at the time, and he was doing a series on moving from success to significance. Wow. And I thought about that I as I was listening to him, and I was like, that's me. I don't feel like what <laughs> I'm doing is really significant to humanity. Yes, I may be successful. Mm -hmm. And and then I started to really hone in on what is it that I'm passionate about. And as I looked throughout my career, I felt the most passion when I was presenting, when when I was delivering messages and content. I had a background as a corporate trainer. And when I looked at my career, that's the job that I really enjoyed, standing up in front of people and talking. And so it really Mm -hmm. it started there. It, It started there with that passion and just following it. And I think that's a, that's a lesson or takeaway for someone that might be listening. That discontent that you feel can be a good thing because it signals yeah. you that you need to get on the path towards your passion. And, and, as you fo- and I've just found, as you follow your passion, the, the, the next steps start to present themselves. And that's really, I just follow my passion. I would start speaking in the community. I, would, I joined Toastmasters International and started speaking more. And before you know it, here we are.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And when you talk about
3: discovering your passion and moving out on it, um, I hear, and then you said, you know, doors will start to open. I hear some spirituality in there. How is your faith um, played a part into this? Because I, I can hear somebody out there maybe saying, you know, I'm discontented. Uh, but maybe I don't have the resources, or how do I even start on the path to, you know, discovering my passion? You took a step of faith. How did you, how did your spiritual life play a part in that?
1: It it played a huge part because I I really, I looked, you know, I went to prayer. Like I said, part of that, part of my discovery process was listening to my pastor and, yeah, you know, when you really focus on a spirit from a spiritual spiritual standpoint, and you, you our Creator has a purpose for everybody, and mm-hmm. has a calling, and part of my mission is to help people to operate in their divine calling, and time management is a big part of that. But as you start to go to prayer and find out what what is my purpose, and you'll find that God will confirm that in a lot of different ways, so that. Passion, so if it's something that you're doing and people are constantly giving you compliments on it, that that could be a sign that that's a direction you need to continue to go in. And it's, a, it's about kind of taking those small steps. So don't think yeah. you're going to solve it all in one fell swoop. It's all about taking that next step. It could be going to that next meeting. It could be doing that next presentation. But just taking, just focus on taking one small step in the direction of your passion. That's good. But, but I just believe That's, life just gives us clues.
2: Yeah. And, and
1: that was for me. You know, I would, whenever I would present, like I was, give a quick example, I was at Toastmasters. And I was still really trying to figure out ultimately what I was going to do. And uh, someone in my Toastmasters club said, Eric, you know, you should enter into the speech competitions. I'm like, okay. So I entered and I just kept winning. Wow. Know, it wasn't part, you know, I just, I, I just took the next step. I entered the contest. And I just kept winning, and then I'd be at the contest, and people would was speaking all this positivity to my life, like, "Wow, this is this is what you're supposed to do." And, and that's how, and from a spiritual standpoint, I think that's how a lot of times God confirms what He's placed in us.
3: Yeah, when you had people encouraging you, that's that's huge, isn't it? Because when you take a when you've taken a step of faith, and when you got people in your ear saying, "Keep going," and you're getting right. that positive energy sometimes that can make or break you. Absolutely. And I don't say it from the perspective of, you know, um, be so hungry for what others say. You know, I'm a firm believer, you know, that, you know, one of the greatest deliverances a person can have is, you know, to be delivered from, the unrealistic expectations of others. So I'm I'm not saying it in a way of, you know, know, wait for everybody to validate what I'm supposed to be doing. But really, somebody in your ear encouraging you versus saying, you know, hey, man, you need to give this up can make a big (laughs) difference. Talk a little bit about those people that were in your ear encouraging you.
1: Yeah, just in a lot of the circles. I mean, whether it was church, whether it was Toastmasters, yeah, and, I, and I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in surrounding yourself with like-minded people and mm. people that have the results that you want. And so, even like to this day, you know, I'm I'm involved with the National Speakers Association, mm-hmm. and they've really helped because, again, some they, they have the results from a speaking standpoint that I'm looking to obtain, and, and they're able to give me feedback. And encouragement. So if I'm working on something and I'm, I'm not sure I'm moving in the right direction, they can confirm. And 'cause I don't think we can achieve our goals on an island, mm. you know, isolated off by ourselves. I, I think it, right. it takes it, the key is really surrounding yourself with a, with other like minded individuals that are moving in the same direction that you are. Now it's, it it's not always I, the, the feedback you get from these like minded individuals isn't always what you want to hear. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but sometimes it's what you need to hear.
2: <laughs> right. right. You need
1: to, if you're moving in the wrong direction, you know, someone that's going to tell you the truth.
2: Right.
3: And I always say, you know, if, if you're the biggest fish in your pond, you talk about mentors and, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are doing it. I, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, you need to have some people that you're mentoring, but you also need to have some mentors, some people Absolutely. that are maybe doing it on a larger scale than you to help motivate you. How does the saying go?
1: If you're the smartest guy in the room, you need to find another room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, isn't
3: that the truth? And I know, uh, hey Mike, I know Richmond Hill is just uh, chomping at the bit on this one. Why don't you go ahead and uh, formally introduce him for us?
0: Richmond Hill earned his bachelor's degree in psychology and his master's degree in counseling from North Carolina State University and is currently a doctoral candidate in the higher education administration program at the George Washington University. Richmond served as a counselor and counseling director at the Prince William County Public School System for nine years before transitioning to work in student affairs at Northern Virginia Community College. Richmond is a counselor and assistant professor for student development at NOVA's Woodbridge Campus. He also serves as a coordinator for retention transition programs and high school outreach.
3: Richmond Hill, welcome back to the Brown Bag. You're certainly no stranger to our show. Thank you, Michael. Good afternoon. Good morning. Yes, sir. Hey, I know um, you've been listening in. You're probably like a, a horse in the stable out over there, ready, ready to jump out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what, absolutely. Eric, has, uh, really
3: in our, you're motivators this morning. What are some of your thoughts and reflections? Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
4: Eric mentioned um, believing in what you're doing and getting on the path toward your passion. And I like to call that finding your sweet spot. And Michael and Eric, as I was listening to you guys talk this morning, I was thinking about, you know, finding your sweet spot, which is what I I like to call it. And that's, to me, that synergy between what you're good at passionate about and what needs to be done. You know, you're able to tap into, by doing that, you're able to tap into the, the joy and enthusiasm that increases your personal power. And that's one of my commitments this year. Uh, I won't call it a resolution, but I'll call it a commitment. And that is to to tap into my personal power uh, more, not not leaning to another self-help book or another motivational conference <clears throat> or speech, but what is it that God has given me and put inside me that will allow me to to, to find that sweet spot and do what I need to do. Um, a lot of times people are stuck in a job, you know, because it's yeah. easy or safe or it pays well, but it gives them no sense of purpose and passion. And, and, and by by being in that spot, you're in the most difficult job of all because it's a job that constantly drains your personal power. And so my goal this year is to, is to tap into that, that sweet spot and into my, uh, my personal power. And um, I know both of you mentioned um, – resolutions and, 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 and people typically not being successful. And a lot of times they're not successful because they haven't tapped into that, that God their God-given, you know, personal power. So that's my, my goal this year is to tap into that personal power.
3: That's good. And, Eric, I know you're big uh, on helping people avoid procrastination. What is God saying to you in this season that can help us out as far as, you know, procrastinating or waiting and delaying those things that are really burst on the inside of us?
1: Well, I I think you have to really get at the root when you talk about procrastination. And a lot of times we think that just because someone procrastinates, they're lazy. And that's not always the case. I think that from what, from, based off of prayer and my dealings with people, fear is usually the number one reason that people procrastinate. So it's either, Mm. it could be a fear of failure that, hey, if I, Maybe I'm just not good enough. So if I procrastinate and it doesn't work out, that gives me a built-in excuse. There's fear Mm. of success. Am I ready for what comes with me accomplishing this goal? And then there's that whole fear of the unknown. So you really have to uncover those fears and then ask yourself, you know, be prepared for the worst-case scenario. So what's the worst thing that happens if this doesn't work out? Well, great, Then then what will I do? And then as you really get comfortable with that and as you, really tune in to that God-given vision and that passion, and you'll be on the road to not procrastinating and really hitting your purpose.
2: That's good.
3: Hey, Richmond, let me ask, let me ask you, what do you say are some of the, the blockers or the hindrances that um, impedes people's progress from getting, stepping out in faith and moving out on those things that they desire? You know, I would I would say, Michael.
4: Um, you know, uh, I, I heard a quote a while ago from a, someone who's very, very near and dear to me, and the quote was, "The start is what stops most people." And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just that ste- that initial stepping out, and then also the fear that surrounds that. Sometimes it's the fear of failure. Sometimes it's feelings of inadequacy. Sometimes it's uh, folks not understanding or knowing what resources are available to them. And so, I think what's important is when someone is feeling that Uh, they need to step out or they want to step out or or, or tap into their passion, it's important to share that with those that are close to them and that they trust, because that's when the networking begins. And that's when that friend or family member can say, hey, I know someone that can lead you in the right direction. Or Mm -hmm. "I I know someone that has a similar business. Or I know someone that just went back to school at age 43. And so you can do it, too. And let me connect you and then provide those resources. And so I I think a lot of times not sharing and kind of holding it to yourself, uh, others around you that love and, and care about you don't know what it is that you need and can't help make those connections. So I think it's important to find those folks that you trust and know and, and share what it is that, uh, th- that you're feeling and uh, move beyond that starting point.
1: And not only that, I think that keeps you accountable. So you're telling Absolutely. people what your goals are, And you know that if I I say my goal is to write a book and I'm telling like-minded people, at some point they're going to say, hey, Eric, how's that book coming?
3: (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) And that's going to keep me accountable because I know I'm going to see Joe next week. He's going to be asking me about the book. I should probably have something good to say.
3: And Eric, I'm going to bring Michael Fordham in here in just a little bit, but you talk about the book. I was remembering when um, I started the process, and there were times where I found myself looking at TV and I would ask myself, if you were to go out and get hit by a bus right now, what would happen to your book? And I was like, oh, well, Lord, let me get in this office, you know. <laughs> and I had moments where, you know, I had to literally push myself. You talk about accountability. And it just so happens that, you know, some major life events happened. And if I didn't start, if I didn't keep pushing, you know, it wouldn't have, I could have missed a season in life because of procrastination.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mike, you want to know? Yeah. um, Both Richmond and Eric made some great points, too, about surrounding yourselves with people who will support you, because um, I think the biggest um, enemy of our dreams is fear and doubt. And um, if, if we haven't communicated that with someone who could help us out and actually hear that we're just making excuses based on fear or that we're doubting ourselves at this point, they can give us what we need at the time we need it the most and help us to continue on that track and that path. But a lot of people do internalize. And when you do, that, that's where the depression comes in. That's where people really mm. fall apart and look at these goals and dreams as their enemy as opposed to something that they really need to fulfill in their lives. Yeah, and another thing
4: we we have to realize too, and I try to share with as many people as possible is that God gave us the ability to think. You know to know and reason to sense and feel he also gave us the determination and self-discipline to act and so what we have to do is realize that these gifts working together in harmony it can give strength to our lives and help us tap uh, you know tap into that personal power I was mentioning earlier and and that will help us manage our thoughts and emotions rather than let it be dictated by those outside conditions the fear the the feelings of inadequacy and so when we take those those forces and combine those together you know We're able to bring vitality to our lives, and even in the most difficult of circumstances, we're able to step out and tap into that personal power that allows us to, to make choices and act. So we really have to remember that what we need, God has already given us, and it's inside. We just have to tap into it.
3: That's good. That's good. And, Eric, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the principles that have helped you as you look back on your, your business career? Um, I actually took one of the things you shared with me before, you, I don't know if you remember, but one time you said you know you were working with some employees and you said it, it never failed. Every time you would come in and say something positive, like hey you're doing a great job or I believe in you, you would see the motivation versus you know negative reinforcement, which is a way of doing things. Uh, but I just don't think it's as effective. And uh, when you said that, that stuck with me. That just I think you said you had written a note to somebody and how it just, how they just lit up and 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 how it motivated them. Talk a little bit about that, um, how your motivation strategies have helped you in business.
1: It's key because I'm, I'm your typical type A personality. So I'm very focused on the results and the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I have to be careful to, I always had to be careful to catch people doing things right. I was so focused Perfect. on fixing what was broken and fixing the opportunities Sometimes people are making progress, and you know, if you don't recognize it, they get disenchanted. So I, so I think it's critical that you recognize those little, those little steps in the right direction with people. And then the other thing, too, I think it starts with yourself, because it's very easy to think about all the things that you don't have and how you're not achieving your goals, but focusing on everything you have to be grateful for. So, so one of the practices, I have like a little three-by-five focus card, so on one side, I've got my goals that I'm working towards, and on the other side, I, I make a list of the things I have in my life to be thankful for, like health, like family, like church home. Mm-hmm. And that helps me to keep a positive focus with myself so, so I don't become disenchanted. And I always I recognize yeah. that, hey, maybe I'm not exactly where I want to be yet, but I've made progress. I'm better today than I was yesterday. So, so I think that, that motivation is, is very important.
3: That's good. And, Richmond, I wanted to ask you um, a question about what you're seeing on the community college level, but I wanted to share this. I actually just left a men's ministry event at our church, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Arlington, and, and the theme was being the man. And I had to let them know up front, you know, you've got the wrong guy if you want to see a portrait of what it means to be the man, because I believe, you know, um, that as kingdom men, we should be striving to become the man. It's becoming the man, and and that that you know that men, um, you know must serve and and see the need that is that is out in our community. And you talked about being equipped. God equips us not just to look at problems and say, Hey, look how bad that is, like bystanders, but really He's equipped us to tackle these problems and, and deal with these issues. And I know you're on the front lines, uh, on the community community college level, what are some of the things that you're seeing in the areas of education as far as um, y- your ability to help people to to move beyond their current circumstance and move out into their destiny?
4: Yeah, one thing, uh, Michael, that we're currently doing on the campus um, is uh, we are establishing a minority male initiative program. Um, we took a moment uh it took quite some time i must say to look at the the statistics you know the graduation rate the retention rate uh, those students who are coming in and and persisting and uh it didn't look too good for our, our our black and hispanic males you know on campus and so uh a group of us uh came together along with the administration and 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 realized that we needed to do something and we've started that initiative um and and it is just amazing to see even in our initial focus group meetings that we 've had with the young men here on campus um, they all have situations as we all do, and uh, they share some of the similar share some similar stories and, and and plights however uh everybody needs some of the same things they need a mentor um, they need um guidance in the area of, of, of finances, uh academic skills development, et cetera. And so we're taking this opportunity, me and a group of other um, you know, faculty and staff members here in administration, taking this opportunity to uh work with the young men to provide them uh, workshops, um, speaker series, networking opportunities, academic skills development, and just an opportunity to talk and be around other men and and men who have gone through the phase that they're currently in and and have. Uh, come over to the other side and so that they can see that it's doable and that they can make it too. And so this is an opportunity that we're, we're taking to meet with them as much as possible. And they are hungry to speak with someone about what it takes to get through. And also they're hungry to, to pull on us for words of wisdom, for direction, for guidance, and just someone to be real with and honest
3: with. That's good. That's good. Eric, Eric, you shared about the situation with, with your friend back in college. I'm curious, were there other turning points maybe earlier on in life for you where, you know, maybe you shifted directions? Because, when I, you know, in my conversations with men, one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, many of us at some point in our lives are at crossroads where we can go in one direction or another. And that's just not, you know, targeted specifically for men, but but women, I'm sure, can say the same thing as well. Were there turning points that you look back now and you say, you know what, man, I'm thankful I didn't go that direction. I went in this direction.
1: Yes, several, actually. But the big thing was just my my observation with with different executives that I worked with, and I I would see that the ones that were consistently peak performers, you know, they they had one thing in common. They didn't procrastinate. So they would Mm – you know, we'd all go to a conference, and you'd get all this great information. And they would, that, that first minute back, they're implementing the ideas that they, they, they got. <laughs> some of the other right. managers that I work with that weren't as successful, you talk to them three months later, they haven't implemented it, anything. Right. So it's just kind of seeing that and just being expo- you know, just coaching all the business executives um, that I've worked with. I mean, that's that's the one thing they had in common. They really, the successful ones were great at managing their time. So what I really just kind of took the just my early life experiences, you know, with again with uh, Don the Donnell, such my friend's situation when he passed away. It, it got me a clear focus on time management. And then from there, I just really went off of just kind of my observations of, of who's winning and who's not. And that's really what got me to this point.
3: That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Richmond, what about you? Um, Looking back, turning points for you that you look back and strategically you can say, wow, I'm glad I shifted when I did.
4: Uh, Yeah, I I think – like, like Eric mentioned, there there are several points, but uh, one thing in particular, uh, there's a particular point that helped me to understand that it's not a good look to say you're going to do something and you don't do it. <laughs> um, wow. And, and, and uh, there was one of my good mentors who was constantly asking me, you know, Richmond, you mentioned, you know, you wanted to go back to graduate school and pursue a doctorate degree. You know, when are you going to do it? And I would, you know, give her a time frame. And then she'd see me a few months later, Richmond, where are we? And I hadn't taken the GRE, hadn't done anything yet. And then she'd see me a few more weeks later, and months later, Richmond, where are we? And hadn't done anything. And then I started to realize and it was just really an aha moment where I said, you know what, this is someone who respects me and looks – up to me in many regards, and and she's trying to hold me accountable, and I'm not doing what it is that I said I wanted to do. And once mm-hmm. again, tapping into that personal power i 'm the one here that can move forward and do what it is that I need to do, and so that moment was was very much a turning point for me, in that I, you know that accountability is important, but you want to be a person of your word and when you say you 're going to do something, uh, step out and do it you know and and if you need some help, you know um, lean on those folks that are that are there to help you, but that was a major turning point for me i didn 't want to be that person who I was always saying yes i 'm going to do this, talking a good game but you know, not walking the talk.
3: So. Yeah, and I have a question from, from Michael Fordham as well. But before I ask you that, Hill, I want you to share a little bit. I know you shared with me personally, career-wise, um, where you thought you might be heading in one direction, then you ended up heading in another. Share that a little bit and how God worked that thing out for you.
4: <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, I, I think that, you know, initially um, I was uh, – I went into one direction as far as working in, you know, public schools and, and counseling and mental health and, and then moving into, you know, administration and never, never really thinking that I would be, you know, at the higher education or at the college setting um, a, until – one point where I ended up meeting someone, I was doing a, uh, working at a GED program, and I wanted to encourage those students that they could go to college and continue on beyond the GED attainment, and so uh, my current supervisor actually uh, was the person that came out and spoke to the group of GED students that I had, and we got to talking, and he said, you know, Richmond, there's some, um, there's an opportunity, you know, uh, at, at NOVA, and based on your background, I think you would be, you know, great for it, and Initially, I was thinking, oh, no, I'm I'm fine where I am, and, you know, this is going, you know, well, and I was complacent and comfortable, and everything was fine. And, and, you know, he continued to talk with me, and I continued to be a little more open, and the next thing you know, things shifted, and, you know, I'm here at the the college setting now, uh, and I love it, and I feel like this is where I am supposed to be right now, and and, and God has blessed me to be able to make contributions, and it's also changed me a great deal, And, and I've grown professionally and personally a great deal, and so now I'm pursuing, you know, higher education administration, and I feel like this is where I'm going to be able to make a difference and impact the lives of others. And so it's just amazing that you can think that your your life is taking one route and this is where you're going to be, and then things can change and you can be at another place. And so I think people should have an open mind when it comes to their careers because you may spend the first 10, 12 years uh, doing one thing, and then, you know, uh, God may have different plans for you, and that may shift completely, and then you have to be open to that and be ready to move. And I think you can't,
1: it. Yeah. I, you can't mistake a, a segment of the process for God's ultimate will for your life. So just because you're mm. in a difficult well. season in your career, that doesn't mean that that's that may be preparing you for what God has for you. And I Mike, you and I have talked. There were so many times I wanted to leave a particular position. And I, yeah. and I was upset that the door was closed. But as we look, as I look back on my career, that was like the best thing that ever happened, The fact that I didn't get the position I was seeking. Yeah.
3: Sometimes we 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 thank God for those open doors, but those closed doors sometimes mm. are huge as well. I'm glad you shared that, Michael Fordham. Turning points for you.
0: Well, um, you know, I've had quite of an unusual life for the most part, but. I remember there was a time where my relationship with my father was not very good, and I was traveling at the time overseas, and uh, I was in Germany, and it was a struggle, and I had been persevering to to make things happen, and I got my big break. But in the midst of that, when I called home to you know tell my family you know how things were going and that I'd finally got this break I'd hoped for, um, I heard the news that my dad had been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and I had to make the decision now to drop everything that I had accomplished up until that point to go wow. back home and to, you know, do what I could for my family and, um, and not view that as a throwaway, but understand that the direction I was heading was not the right direction. It was God helping me to see clearly and choosing mm. the, the life that I wanted for myself and who I wanted to be to my family from that point forward. Man, that's good. Eric,
3: I want you to jump in on that because you talked about being a type A personality and, you know, the importance of ambition and, and goal setting. That That's so key, that we be ambitious and that we set goals. But then life happens, and your three-point plan might have to be tabled or uh, you might have to, like Mike said, you know, care for that, that family member and shift directions. What should we be thinking about mentally when – Our plans don't line up with God's will.
1: Well, God's plan is the ultimate plan. So a lot of times if you find that you're bumping your head, it could be an indication that God has something different. And I I just know from my experience that a lot of times the things that God would have for me and what I would think is best for me are totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I, at right. one point in my career, I had to relocate to upstate New York, Syracuse, and I resisted, and I really. Did. But but looking back, once again, that was probably one of the best things to happen for me career-wise. I developed a lot of, a lot of the speaking, speaking skills and things of that nature that I use to this day. So really, I just think you submitting to God's plan. And again, especially, for, and that that can be a challenge for the Type A personality that wants to have his own agenda, but God's agenda supersedes ours.
3: That's good, Richmond. You want to jump in on there? Yeah, you
4: know, I agree, and I think it's it's you want to. Um, uh, maintain uh, flexibility you know in life and because you uh, oftentimes may think that okay I'm going in one direction and this is what it's supposed to be and like Eric said you know God's plan is the ultimate plan and so sometimes when when, when he's trying to let us know that this is how it's supposed to be, we feel that something is wrong or that, you know, something's not right with this detour that we're taking. And inevitably that is where God wants us to go. And so remaining flexible and remaining prayerful and, uh, and, and, and being open to what it is, uh, those changes that are taking place, because it's not always going to be A, B, and C. You know, it might be A, G, and then back to C. So that's important okay. to keep in mind.
3: Oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, Mike, let me ask you, if you don't mind, you talked about having to table your desires, and you can share as ever how much you want to about, you know, what you talked about with your dad, but or maybe more in general. What would you say with that person who, you know, it's not maybe career-driven but more so on a personal level, that they've got to start over in 2014 and maybe reconnect with family? Or mm. maybe, um, you know, it's... it's it's personal. They need to take on some some more personal resolutions or, or commitments that we as we said. What would you say about how you handled that reconnecting reconnection? Well, first,
0: um, everybody I guess has some hurt. You know. Family hurts you more than anything else. And um we have to realize that we all have made mistakes and we are not our past mistakes. That was just an incident that happens, and people hold on to it in memory and make that a part of that person, but there's so much more there, you know, and um, that was my issue with my dad for the longest time. And um, I was able to come back and get over that and not only get over the hurt, but also my dad is like my best friend now, and um, we hang out and do things all the time. And that relationship was broken, and I could not have become a man without fixing that first. And um, that, that was crucial. I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I had not mended that relationship. Wow. Thanks for sharing that.
3: Eric, what would you say to that person who may be struggling personally? They have the passion. They, they feel a sense of purpose, but maybe they're struggling spiritually. I know you're a man of faith. What would you say to encourage our listeners um, spiritually?
1: Well, I would I would just say getting yourself in alignment with God and trusting his will and plan for your life is the best decision that you can possibly make. And wow. any, any success that I've had in my life, I could tie back to my relationship with God. And you just really have to trust that his plan is better than yours. <laughs> I mean, and that's really the key to it. I mean, I, it's it's very it's very simple and basic, but I, I just think the better you're, you're because God sees the, the big picture and uh, He has that panoramic view of our lives. He knows what come, what's coming around the corner that we not may not be seeing. So mm, the best wow. decision you can make is p- putting your trust in your in your life in God's hands. Now, having said that, there is work required on our part too. We have to move yeah. We have to move in that direction.
3: That's good. And, Richmond, I have to bring you on for a whole separate show for you to share your personal testimony. We'll have to talk about that online because it's, it's quite a testimony. But what would you say, Richmond, to encourage that person who may be struggling with hurts that they haven't shared with anyone, or maybe there's, you know, people see them on the job and they might think they're so charismatic and so outgoing, but really that person might suffer in silence. What would mm-hmm. you say to encourage our listeners uh, as we move into 2014?
4: You know, I, I think for those people who have encountered hurts and are suffering in silence, um, it is so important, and, and I know it, it helps me tremendously, to find someone that you love and that you trust, and trust being the key point there, that you can open up to, and that be a per, being a person of, of faith, uh, and a person who can inc- can encourage you spiritually, but that you can be real with, and you can talk to, and you know that they uh, uh, y- is not going to be any judgment in- involved or any condemnation, and and just finding that person that you can just open up to and be real with, and not worry about you know how you're going to look later, and 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 what they're going to you know think about you, etc. Because there is freedom in sharing, um, and there's freedom in sharing with the right people or with the right person and then surrounding yourself with with people of faith and with people who um, can encourage you and and keep you motivated and can be there and can say to you, you know what, no matter how often you need to talk about that situation, I'm here. Now, we're not going to stay at the same point all the time, but I'm here. Don't feel like you can't come and talk to me and and, and we can't discuss and we can't share. I'm going to help you move to that next point each time, but I am here, so don't feel like you can't come and be real and be honest. We've got to take off the veils and be real mm. and be honest with folks.
2: Mm.
3: That's good. And I know we all share a church home um, that helps us in that. You talk about not having to do it alone. Eric talked earlier about, you know, not being an island. And I think that blocks people sometimes. We, you know, might feel like we're alone or we're the only one who – who's struggling with that certain issue. Any one of the three of you can jump in on this one. How important is having, you know, a a strong church home? You know, big shout-out to Mount Zion and uh, Pastor Leonard Smith is there and and doing great work. But any of the three of you, what would you say as far as, you know, the importance of having that spiritual base? Oh, Mike, I'll
1: I'll jump in on this. I mean, I I think that's critical. I think we talked about earlier being surrounded by like-minded individuals so if, if you're attending the services on a regular basis, you're surrounded by people that have spiritual goals and that are looking to move in, in that direction. And, and, that is, and, and that's just so critical. And, and that can help. So if, if you're struggling with something, someone can reach out to you that's already been through that issue that you're struggling with. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, one of my mentors is, is Dr. Smith, who's our pastor. Yeah. You know, just the w I use I, I told him one time and he laughed that uh, I've I've stolen from him more than he would know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the, more than you happy. care to know,
1: huh? <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't call it steal, we call it borrowing. I I borrowed it's from far. him. <laughs> just it's as far as not, the way he up. structures his message. So no having that church home and that church foundation is critical to success.
2: Yeah.
0: i I like to jump in and tell my story, too, since we're talking about Pastor Smith. Um, I can literally say that the pastor has probably saved my life. That's how intense. I I went to him at a time that I I was in such turmoil and transition. And God had blessed me so much from the time I had gotten married. Uh, It was just phenomenal. The things that were going well for me, it was just. I couldn't tell people about it anymore because they would get angry at me. They literally would get angry at me. And then all of a sudden it all stopped. And it stopped. And about three months down the road, I I finally, I had to, God told me I needed to talk to the pastor about it. And I did. And um, he, he told me something very simply that, you know, life is in seasons. And we all go through seasons of pain and of joy and there's all these things that go on in our life, but they're transitioning. But he said sometimes when things are going bad for you, it's because, you know, good things are about to happen. But then there are some times mm-hmm. when things are not going well for you, it's to prepare you for something even worse that's going to happen. Oh, and wow. And for me... And for me, that's what it was. But even that statement took the burden off of me that it wasn't me. It was God preparing me for what was coming. And um, after that, my um, wife was diagnosed with uh, and, you know, breast cancer, and um, we went through a very, very difficult time. But you know what? When I think about it, if that would have happened when everything was going so well for me and for us, it would have been harder to take than this transition that I went through and preparation I had to get ready for this thing that was coming for us. So just those words and taking it off of myself and understanding, you know, just be aware and watch what's going on around you really helped me to be able to handle that situation the right way. So, and if it wasn't for me speaking with the pastor, I'd have probably just had a nervous breakdown or something. It was just, it would have been too much to handle.
3: God can send us people in our lives right at the time we need them. I'm a witness to that. Big shout out, again, to Mount Zion. Those of you who are in the Northern Virginia area, you can be a part of this, too. Come join us at Mount Zion. Great things are happening. Richmond Hill, what do you have to say about seasons of life and how uh, we have to be able to, you know, adapt to different seasons? What would you say?
4: yeah you know you know michael we do have to be able to adapt to different seasons and um you know um We hear uh, all around us, you know, the people that we love and care about. You know, everybody's going through something different at at different times. And just personally, I can think of a time when it feels like or has felt like that I was on the mountaintop and then times where it felt like I was in the valley and then times where it felt like I was coasting. And um, one thing that we have to be mindful of is that in all of those times, um, there is a message and there is a lesson, um, and, and many times we don't see the lesson uh, when we're you know feel like we're uh, on the mountaintop, but there is a lesson even there and a message there, and definitely you know in the valley, um, and and it's important to understand that all of those times in our lives come together and 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 synergize to make us stronger and so that when people come our way and and i've I've told you this michael many times before what happens to us in our lives is not for us it's Mm. for us it's for that person that will come after and say i'm experiencing this and i need help and then you can say you know what a few years ago a few months ago this is what I encountered, and let me tell you how I was able to overcome it and how God helped me through. Um, And so you can share your story, you know, out of personal experience. And then, you know, regardless of what's going on, you you can be assured that I know that what I'm experiencing, the high moments – and the low moments, that not only is God going to use that to make me a stronger person and, and and am I going to come out stronger, but I'm going to be able to use that to help somebody. And so whenever I go through things now, I always look at it from the standpoint, God, I know someone is going to come later and is going to need to benefit from the lesson that I've gotten from this situation.
3: Wow, that's powerful. You talk; I have to share a personal testimony as well. I remember... Uh, Many of our listeners might know, my father passed away back in January. And I remember my first day back at work uh, after, you know, about a week of being out. And uh, that first day was rough. It was rough. And uh, I felt like a shell in many ways sitting in that office. And do you know God sent people to my office and they ministered to me? And I was just like, whoa. And some of the things people have shared throughout that process, and you talk talking about how things – you know, are not necessarily about us. It makes you more sensitive now when when you hear of other people's pain. It's like you know, you know, the Bible talks about how we are to you know uh, console others with the same consolation that we received. And Eric, I want you to jump in on that. W- what have you noticed in some of your endeavors as you've gone out and speak, spoken to different crowds, and, or maybe someone has come up and said something to you about you know something that you said that helped them. What are you noticing in your work in, in those regards?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I mean, that's, that's the most rewarding part of what I do, when when people change the way they think. And, and sometimes I'll say something that I don't think about that's very significant, and I'll have someone come up to me and say, hey, you know what, Eric, I'm on a consistent workout program because I remember at that I was at your session, and you told me, look, if you want something different, you have to do something different. So Mm -hmm. it's you just – what I get is that you you really just can't underestimate the potential impacts you can have when you're speaking into someone's life. Mm -hmm. And it it kind of goes back to what Richmond was saying earlier. It's not just about you. A lot of the experiences that you have equip you to effectively speak into someone else's life. And people – and we just need to really – because we don't know what people are going through. Mm -hmm. And people are suffering in silence. And you see them, they may smile at you, but they're – suffering so that word that you have could really make a difference in their lives and and that's really what's so rewarding about what I do
3: that's awesome that's awesome Richmond what do you see um, on the horizon for you I know you're pursuing higher education what are some of your dreams and visions uh, as you move into 2014
4: you know for for me michael it is to um, once again going back to uh being a, a man of my word i have committed um to uh the administration here and to some students to really get um this initiative off the ground uh here at the community college that will hopefully in turn benefit uh the young men that are struggling and so um my commitment and goal is is uh to use all my resources um, uh, both natural and, and and spiritual and to make that happen and uh also to make sure that in doing so that I, I surround myself with people who are going to be encouraging and who are going to um, you know see the same um, vision and 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 jump on board and let's make this thing happen and my my other piece of that is tapping into you know my uh personal power which i was mentioning earlier and there's there's personal power it's like combined in my opinion of of the strength of three forces, and that's your intellect, your spirit, and your will. And I think even tapping into all of that and making sure that I choose, you know, courage over fear, you know, humility over arrogance, uh, service over self-interest, you know, those are the things that I want to I be about. I want to be about service and, and um, bringing, um, you know, more specifically that initiative to fruition here at the community college.
3: That's good. That's good. We only have a few minutes here, but Eric, I wanted to allow you just a few minutes to just share your heart and mind and uh, any encouragement for our listeners as they make plans and move out in 2014.
1: Well, just from what I see, when people procrastinate, it's usually they think they're avoiding pain. But there's a, one of my speaking heroes named Jim Rohn, he had a saying, it's, there's two pains in life, so you have the pain of discipline, but you also have the pain of regret wow. so you have to think wow. about either way there's pain involved so yeah. if you're not moving towards what, what god has ordained there's a pain there because you'll look back and may feel that regret that you're not where you want to be and i always ask people to you know vision picture yourself at 90 years of age and and you're, you know they're doing a banquet in your honor and talking about what you accomplished and then think about What would the the 90-year-old version of you say to you right now as it relates to the decision that you're making?
4: And if I could add, Michael, I just want to encourage everyone to take a risk this year. Uh, I think one, mm-hmm. that, that's one thing that I, I finally realized, that that is the key. You have to take risks sometimes. You have to step out and do those things that might be a little unfamiliar or seem like they're going to be uncomfortable. But that is when sometimes our biggest blessings come is when we take risks.
3: Man, that's good. That's good. Eric, how can people follow you or get in touch with you?
1: Well, you can go on my website www.ericmtwigs.com, and you, at, on my website, you can actually access my ebook titled One Moment in Time, Preparing Your Life for Your Defining Moment, where I give some practical time management strategies to help you to ultimately operate in your divine calling.
3: Awesome, awesome. And Richmond, you're a constant contributor to the show, and we know we'll be having both of you back on again. I thank both of you so very much for being on. Thank you, Michael.
1: Yeah, hey, I thank you for having me on your show.
3: Hey, you guys, keep, keep up the great work. Don't get weary and well-doing, and I'm telling you, you're making a positive impact on people. Mike, quite a show we had today. What do you think?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, Mike, this was an awesome one, man. I'm going to have to listen back to this.
3: Yeah, that's good. Just a few closing thoughts here. No matter what station you find yourself in in life, it's not too late to pick up the pieces, to embrace the learned lessons, and start again. Remember, you were built for this. God made you ready for the challenges that you need to face. As always, love God, love people, and live on purpose. Happy New Year. Keep
2: Get what you heard, is brown bag. The Conversation you deserve, is brown bag. And as we proceed, yeah, yeah. we give you what you need with MTV. Come on, get it.